Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by our panel. Say hello, panel. Hello, hello. panel. Uh, joining us today, we've got Siobhan. Hey, everybody. There's Axel. Hello. I see Greg. Hello there. And DW. Hello, I am DW. How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that, that my uh, DW impersonation is spot on. I, I don't yeah. think anybody noticed a difference there. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. not at all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like it's right here in the room with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason that uh, DW isn't here for the intros is we're actually recording these intros uh, the day after we recorded the episode. Because our last episode that we, we recorded was almost three hours long, and we decided I was going to uh, divide that up into a couple different episodes. So we got together to record a new intro, and uh, in order to make this intro meld into what we've already recorded with, with nobody being able to tell the difference, we need to get in there with a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so (laughs) this this next section of the show um i'm just gonna kind of pick one of you at random and let you decide on a character and then we are going to see what kind of mythology we might be able to shake out of that character sound good yep sure why not all right uh and our first character is going to get chosen by dw dw what do you think Oh, you know what? I when you suggested this as we were on break, uh, I I wanted to try and think of somebody other than Tom, but I will admit that my mind went back to Tom because I'm not necessarily thinking of any obvious ones, and now I'm curious what ones I'm not thinking of. So I'm going to put Tom on the table. All right. So I get a Robin Hood vibe off Tom. Not mm-hmm. necessarily Robin Hood himself, but like the Alan Adele character, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the, just the someone who... from the rich and give to the poor, kind of. Well, the the rapscallion never-do-well who uh, who robs from the rich and maybe gives some to the poor. But he, he seems to be like a basically wait, 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 hold, person. Hold on a second. You just blew my mind and I need to go back. Is never do well what ne'er do well is contracting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. ne'er, never knew that. Yeah. Ne'er's the poetic. Uh, never uh, do well. I, I have never heard poetic it as never do well. That that <laughs> you, you just blew my mind a little bit there. I'm sorry. Uh, please. <laughs> please. Linguistics. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. So uh, this is not a fully fleshed out theory. This is just um, my impression of Tom is that he would fit very nicely into that. Uh, Fighting against authority, but um, still, and troublemaker, but but still on the side of the good. Well, and and knowing, I I actually do know a bit about the Robin Hood, uh, not just the legend, but like how the story progressed. I wrote a show that was about the progression of that story and how it got told and when Maid Marian started getting into it. And that Alan Adale and Will Scarlet were kind of almost interchangeable characters, depending on when the story was told. Um, and yeah. I can I can see that. Okay. Definitely a little bit a little bit like I'm 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 going to do what's right, but I'm also going to take care of myself. Not the self-sacrificing necessarily that we see with Robin Hood, but the uh I, I have my needs too. But when it comes down to it, you can rely on them. 
So I'm going to give you guys Tom's full name to see if that shakes anything loose. Okay. Uh, Tom is short for Tom Drill, and his last name is Marilyn. Oh. Merlin. He's, uh... uh... Which is interesting in a in a, a world where where male magic users are cursed, basically his that his character is built on a magician. Well, well, interesting because there's there's also a lot to the Merlin story of his aspect in helping find. Um, when you're looking at the stories that have young King Arthur, uh, you know, pulling the sword from the stone. A lot of those have uh, Merlin as more of a mentor than just the local wizard. He helps like coach Arthur through his youth and groom him to be the one who takes over the kingdom. And he's also a protector. He hides Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. I am just keeping my mouth shut hard right now. We figured. Um, I, w- I want to explore what else do we know about Merlin? Um, Lives backwards. Ages backwards. Okay. We, we know that he taught most of the other magic users in... Yes. Uh, um, that, that uh, was it Morgana was, was his assistant or, or student? Uh, he, he taught many uh, students, but Morgana was one of them. Well, yeah, um, and just, just the fact that Morgana becomes a significant person within yeah. the, the storyline. The um, they they, they all do become them. significant people. I don't remember all of them, but, uh, or, well, I do remember some of them, but they're going to get mentioned later. So Gotcha. Um, <laughs> well, I know that, like, but in if I remember correctly, uh, his teaching Morgana, though, also leads to the uh, teaching of Mordred, but just not directly. Merlin didn't teach Mordred, but Morgana did. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So Merlin is is tightly uh, um, w- interwoven with Morgana. You're saying? Yes. Okay. Uh, Axel, you have some something to say? Yeah. So I think it's the T. H. White Arthurian legends that has Merlin as living backwards in time. So he knows how everything is going to play out and what's going to happen, and he's kind of steering it. Um, he knows the good stuff that's going to happen, and he knows how it's all going to go horribly wrong at the end. Um, but he, So his major role there is not being a magician, but a guy who knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So he's somebody who understands the past and how it, the future might come from mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Might be what another way of saying that. Well, I mean, in the TH White version, it's very explicitly he he's running backwards yeah. in time, a bit like you know, like Doc, the Doctor Who. I, I, I was making the comparison to to Tom Marilyn's yeah. profession. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. also in most of the Arthurian myths, uh, Merlin doesn't do a lot of actual magic. It's more magician. I think is more in the terms of right. Magi, the word magi, comes from Zoroastrianism. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it means, uh, I think, priest slash scholar slash educated person who knows stuff. Well, yeah, the, the, the magi the are wise men. It's, the, it's yeah. the term. Yeah, exactly. Wise men were magi. Yeah. yeah. So Merlin the magician, not necessarily Merlin the person who does magic, but Merlin the person who knows what's going on more so than anybody else. 
And that's this character. This is Tom. But I, I, what I'm curious if there's a crossover is Merlin also, in my mention of Morgana and and, and his knowledge of how it's going to go wrong, um, has some part in why it goes wrong. Like, not necessarily a major player, but, like, knows there's some guilt to him. And that makes me wonder if Tom has some guilt to him. Mm, like, what did he do in the in his past, which would be the future? Uh <laughs> but uh, well, I don't. You... I don't think Tom is living backwards. Okay, all right. <laughs> but it makes me wonder if in his past there is something that maybe, like, uh, just spitballing here, but like was a dark friend at one point and then realized no, this is a bad way to be, and and now that knowledge is going to be useful to people, and why he's so knowledgeable of it. But you know, again, I'm not trying to suggest that he was a dark friend, um, but there, that there's something dark in his past that we will learn over the course of the stories and that's also that would also help explain why he why he doesn't stick around he doesn't yeah. you know he he can show up when our heroes are on their own and don't have anybody important with them you know like morgaine but he doesn't want to be seeing her oh yeah because that and would because that could get him into trouble yeah oh I, I, oh 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 so, yeah, just being seen by an Aes Sedai, he's got yep. some tie with the White Tower, possibly. And there's also the idea that, I mean, prophecy we know is a thing of this time. Good. Could he have, could he have been a warder at one point, maybe? Uh, that's potential. He's got the battle skills. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I would, I would also put forward is, is prophecy being a thing we we were talking about how you know Merlin knew the knew the future because he's already been there. But if if they did a twist on it and had something in his future that he knows from prophecy, like has that I know this is going to happen and I can't avoid it, and Ooh. that also would have him necessarily distancing himself from people if something bad is in the prophecy and so he's could, trying to help avoid it. But oh, we're still heading that way, kind of. Okay, thing. could he have known? Could he have been involved in the? In the White Tower, whenever, uh, when Moraine and uh, uh, when the, when they got the the uh, the prophecy from the from the other Aes Sedai, could he have been involved mm. in that? I don't know, Ruark. You're mm. rather quiet. I'm I'm just loving <laughs> the speculation that's happening. It it it's it, it it I love being this fly on the wall. I yeah, know, I know. Well, you when do. when you talk about prophecy, that's where I instantly went to is that yeah. that prophecy of the dragon and how you know uh, Moraine and uh, 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 who's the head of the White Tower? Uh, Swan. I, Swan. Thank you. Um, how they were the only ones who knew about it. Well, what if Tom knew about it also? Are we so, sure so at this point that Tom isn't the dragon? <laughs> no, I it, thought it was it, Bella. The dragon is Bella. Yeah, the dragon is Bella. That's been established. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're right. So I have a thought. Um, you have a, a world full of magic users that uh, you have. Um, what was her name? Min, who can mm-hmm. who can see the future. That may not have been the only dragon prophecy. The 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 one that came from the White Tower from um, Swan and Moraine's um who, who who was that i can't remember the name guitar moroso okay Guitaro Moroso. So, so hers her prophecy of the, the birth of the dragon may not have been the only one there may be other people out there who are following their own prophecy and 
you know, a bard who travels from place to place is as good a person as any to be looking out for channelers. Mm, true, true. So, um, hmm. to give you a little more background there, um, most of the people in the Westlands uh, believe in a set of prophecies known as the Carathon Carathion cycle. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, um, but. Um, it is a, a collection of variously sourced prophecies um, kind of put into some kind of a chronological idea of order, I think. Um, I, 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 I just had a little chuckle on the variously sourced and like organically sourced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> organically sourced prophecy. Um, and that is kind of the main prophecy that the people of the Westlands kind of believe in. Um just to give you a little, you know, it wasn't just Guitar Amoroso saying the dragon is reborn, you know, that, that they had a whole set of prophecies that they were looking for the dragon to eventually be reborn. Um, and, and I can tell you the prophecies include things like how can you tell that the dragon is in fact the dragon and, and those prophecies have to be fulfilled. Um, hmm. they, they didn't touch on that much in the first season, so I'm not going to touch on it much here. But yes, there are prophecies around the entire story. Okay, and so that'll likely come out in later seasons as as they hit, so that they're not getting too spoilery, and to give themselves and to give the production company the ability to choose which chunk of stories they actually include and which ones they don't, because budget yeah. and time and such like. Well, yeah. I'm curious if we actually haven't already heard one, because wouldn't the knowledge that when the horn's blown, it will bring the allies of the dragon, like? Isn't that kind of a prophecy? That, that sounds that very prophecy very to prophecy. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is actually taken from from the Carathon cycle. Got it. Got it. And yes, a very Jericho connection there. Yeah. Okay, um, blowing your horn. And to continue down the Tom Marilyn hole, um, so boy, to speak. We're, we're going all kinds of yeah. We're going uh, up up the hot holes and and. <laughs> Down, down, yeah, yeah, up the hot pipe. There we go. Uh, oh, that one's never going to die. I don't think. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you, you, well, you get it. You get a dirty taint when you go up the hot pipe. Wrong is is how it works out. Um, God, we're twelve. So I, I just want to to give you Tom's description from the books and see if that knocks anything loose. Um, he's described as having bushy white hair bushy white eyebrows, and long white handlebar mustaches. Yeah, there's your Merlin. So he looks like Mark Twain. It's also your Gandalf. Yeah. I'm sorry, what, what was that, Siobhan? He looks like Mark Twain. <laughs> you know, I, I, always, I always in my mind thought he looked a lot more like Samuel Clemens. Yep. Yeah, it, uh, totally agree with that sentence. <laughs> no laughter on actually. that one? Really? Really? No, I, 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 no, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're not 100% in correct. <laughs> you didn't hear me sputtering? <laughs> <laughs> That's outside of my cultural wheelhouse. Uh, Samuel Clemens is... Mark Twain was the pen name. Yeah, Mark of... Twain was his okay. pen name. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that that is who I have always seen in my head as Tom in the books is pretty much Mark Twain. Hmm, okay. um, and, and I believe that was intentional because he's he's a person who seems to know a lot more than the people around him and travels town to town telling stories. And 
Also, that picture of Einstein with his tongue sticking out, like that's the other <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. And I can see Tom doing that, so. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. Um, I just, was that a Mark Twain? Yes. 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 Right. Okay. I'm just throwing that out there as another... Um, another connection, Mark Twain writing Merlin. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and throw yeah, throwing Arthurianness and and Mark Twain together. So, you know, I hadn't thought to dig down that rabbit hole, but now I'm going to have to after yeah. this episode. So you got is some over. unexplored holes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 the character's name is Hank Morgan, which I don't think really connects to a little Morgana in there. Yeah, I, that, that's a bit of... I was just kind of wondering if I'd look at the name and go, hey, wait a minute, that's Tom. <laughs> right. Uh, you're trying to point us at a name, and I'm feeling something, but I'm not... Um, as far as Tom's first name, Tom Drill, I have never found anything there. Okay. I think that is just part Tom of... Tom Bombadil? Uh, actually. <laughs> I was thinking I, I was thinking sound wise is a bit similar, but the character is nothing in common. No, nothing but yeah. but I yeah, I, I definitely noted the the sound alike. Yes. But, but yeah. the similarities to the the um opening of the Lord of the Rings makes it a little more indicative that it might be intentional. There, yeah, that's true. And Tom Bombadil was my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That, that that segment I think was the was really the bit that I like because it totally doesn't fit yeah. in anything else and the, you know it, it, it was the very punk rock segment because it told the, all the other segments to go fuck themselves yeah exactly yeah, which is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway anyway uh, moving right along yeah um, I, 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 I until you brought up Tom Bombadil I always thought that Tom Drill did not come from anywhere it uh, Robert Jordan seems to like to take common names that we have that are, are shortened versions of names like Thomas shortens to Tom and then add a different something after the Tom that it's shortened from. Mm -hmm. like it's Matt. His name is Matt Trim, not Matthew. It's entirely likely that it's just a connection that we're seeing, not a connection that was intended. Like, because we are oh, one yeah. of the side effects yeah, well, of looking well, well, really who's deep. To say, who's to say that even if he didn't necessarily directly intend it, that the pattern itself didn't intend it? <laughs> that, that is absolutely true. That is also absolutely true, yes. I've often wondered if there, there are a lot of things that are attributed to clever moves that Shakespeare made. And like, did he intend it or was it a happy coincidence? And then he's like, oh yeah, that, totally mm -hmm. what I was doing. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I meant that. Yeah. That was meant. Totally intentional. Yeah. And that, I mean, that also ties right back to what we were saying earlier, that one of the, that, that we are really good at finding patterns in things. Yeah. Our yeah. brains oh, want to put patterns. So the more you, the more you dig into a thing, the more evidence you find of the thing, which ties into conspiracy theory and is one of the central themes of the Illuminati trilogy book series that written by Robert Anton Wilson that, is some a book series that really everyone should read? So um, you're saying Merlin is part of the Illuminati? What? Isn't no, it, isn't it also confirmation <laughs> bias? Um, no, oh, yeah, Tom would be. Sorry, Tom Marilyn is part of the Illuminati. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> that got some I confirmation totally bias. Yeah. Yeah. Much more likely, he's a Discordian. <laughs> a member of the Justified uh, yes. Ancients of Mumu. All aboard! All aboard! Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
KLF's going to rock this you, is a far-ranging conversation. Yes, it is. <laughs> when you talk about philosophy, you've got to end, wonder when you're going to end up at the KLF. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's going to happen. <laughs> all, um, all roads lead to the KLF. <laughs> um, so, uh, I think we've kind of gotten to the bottom of, of Tom's hole there, as, as it were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reach the source of the hot pipe. Uh, so, uh, we're, hitting, we're hitting the back wall here. <laughs> hey have you heard about our sponsor four cats boutique so i just pulled up their website to have a look right now and i am seeing bookmarks earrings uh jewelry art prints um cards i see uh fantastic four i see moon knight Wheel of Time is here, Star Wars, lots and lots of fandoms, lots of really gorgeous artwork, lots of collectibles, things to hang on your wall. Definitely a site worth checking out. And of course, Lord of the Ring things as well. So definitely check them out. That's Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's number four, cats with a K, number four, Four Cats Boutique. Check them out. I have new respect for DW's job. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, oh, Siobhan, why don't you uh, pick, pick our next hole? <laughs> follow that, Siobhan. You're doing so kind to Siobhan with what you're making her follow this <laughs> A palate cleanser, if you will. Um, <laughs> okay, Gotta I'm get gonna... that taint taste out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Um, so um, my character that I'd like to know more about is Padden Fane. I get a very strong um, trickster, agent of chaos, Loki mm-hmm. vibe yep. off of him. Someone who, Man. yeah, someone who um, is on the side of of the Dark One. Not so much because he believes in the Dark One, but be, he believes that both sides need to have people working for them. That that change in chaos for its own sake is worth working for. Mm-hmm. Have we got anything that speaks to his motivations in the series? Well, there's the there's the speech that he he gives to uh, to Perrin in the the throne room. Um, but, from what, that all things need to be he, in balance. Yeah, right. and yeah. that's why he's on the bad guy team because there's too many people already on the good guy team. As it oh, right. still doesn't fully show the hand. I don't think. Yeah. No, no, there's no, still no. a lot of cards really close to the chest. It's like I'm going to show you this one, and it may or may not be the one I'm counting on. Yeah, this one, this one you might believe, um, but not necessarily the, the whole story. That certainly, I don't, so I don't know so much if there are significant figures in mythologies who do that. Um, but it's really common in um, modern, li- like in modern fantasy literature and and interpretations, um, and like very much like so much si- uh, Star Wars fan fiction, like the whole Grey Jedi kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, and pretty much anywhere where you go from. I mean, you you take the. St- Star Wars prequels bit around how Anakin will is the chosen one who will bring balance to the Force. And what does balance mean? It doesn't mean the Jedi winning. It means both sides getting blown away or becoming equally strong. Yeah, 
Um, and whether that's by addition or subtraction. Yeah, exactly. But what it does mean is that uh, it means balance between between black and white, which is tying towards a Taoist thing. Except um, it seems to be more of a, in, instead of that Taoist thing, it seems to be... Uh, well, no, no. Yeah, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the difference is that like Taoism talks about a balance between male and female energies, not between good and evil. Good and evil are, I, I, don't, I can't think of any religion that says that evil is a thing that we need in the world. It's a thing we're no, stuck with. it's a thing to be with. defeated. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 the, in the modern world, there is a lot of, there isn't really good and evil. Things that claim to be good are something that has good elements to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and good is in the eye of the beholder. Because there's yeah. some things that people believe are evil that are actually pretty neutral um, or positive. And mm. yeah, it just depends on the perspective of the, uh, the beholder. And being told what they, what they were told as they were raised is evil. Yes, yes, yeah. that too. But mythology-wise, I the like I said uh, earlier, Pan comes to mind. Padden, Pan. Mm -hmm. You get the trickster, mm -hmm. the trickster, um, the chaos. Yeah, the, yeah. I was thinking Puck, the guy too. who took credit for winning the uh, the war for the gods because he screamed. That's where we get the word panic from, right? Uh, Siobhan had mentioned uh, Puck as well. Mm -hmm. That's uh, another agent of chaos. Yeah, yeah, actually, And yeah, whose actions don't necessarily be good or bad. Right. Because... So the alignment as, there would be like chaotic neutral kind of thing. Yeah. Or true neutral. Typically, a trickster is chaotic. Yeah. Because chaos is true. an agent of change, right? Neutral yeah. in the, like, the D&D &D law versus chaos alignment. Neutral really means you... You're not, you, you don't want things to change too much, either. Right, you're not trying to make change. Yeah. You're just sort of going along with the flow. Yeah. You know. Um, and, yeah, like, I, th I guess, like, yeah, Siobhan alluded to, with, ref with referring to Loki, to Paddenfane as an agent of chaos, a trickster god. But for him to be a trickster god, we'd need to see him doing something that helps humanity, too. And maybe we just so that, reached that, that was going to be my question is like if we get to the point where things are going really terribly is Padden Fane a character who's likely to switch sides interesting mm. I was working could... for the bad guy for mm -hmm. a while but now it now it looks like the bad guy's actually going to win so you know what I'm going to just do something to screw up his day or we may see ways in which the people that we thought are the good guys aren't as good as they were. And so what Padden Fane is doing is actually good when you look at it from a different perspective. Yeah, right? from a certain making, point making of view. Making things balance, yeah. He's the opposite of a sycophant. He's not always looking for the winning side. He's, he's looking to be on the losing side. Well, not necessarily on the losing side, but just uh, the underdog. Whoever is not as strong at the time so typically a trickster god is human like is looking out for humanity um or helps humanity at the expense of the gods and the gods don't like the trickster god don't like them because they because they they aren't full you know they're not keeping 
they're not supporting the existing power hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Right? They're disrupting the status quo. So, yes. So now we're seeing the story so, now, you know, to what extent are we seeing the story so far from the perspective of the ruling class, right? And the status quo, the, the white tower of the status quo, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and our lead protagonist is Moraine, who is an archetype of the ruling class, right? She, and, you know, and she's, and, and her lover, the leader of one of the most powerful, possibly the most powerful organization in the world, and therefore the epitome of the ruling class, even though she comes from a working class background. Yeah. Right? So, maybe what we're going to see is, as I said, like it, we're going to see that Pat and Fane's actions are not as terrible as you'd think, because there's more going on that we just haven't been exposed to yet. Which would be a really cool subversion of yeah, the like general heroic hero. fantasy trope. Yeah. Villain that's the secret hero. Mm-hmm. Or at least so not, necessarily a, -like. not necessarily a hero, but a person. Somebody who, who yeah. Um, Someone who disrupts the current power structures. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like Prometheus would be a really good example of, mm -hmm. like, right, for bringing fire to humans. That's, that's kind of like a trickster event. Um, anyway, Pad and Fane is trickster god. Pad and Fane is coyote. Stands in the uh, background. Right in the background, nice. gets, does yeah. things. Sometimes for his own entertainment, just mm -hmm. to kind of shake things up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah, that's, that's, the, the, that's that's kind of coyote is a good a good example because that's kind of the feel I get off like he's doing this because he's enjoying it. Mm -hmm. This is right. fun. Yeah, he may not actually care about good evil. Good evil. I'm the man with the joke. I'm the man. Yeah. There's there's a better pun in there's a better Ash Williams reference there and I'm not quite grabbing it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. I want to circle round back to something one of our, our listeners wrote in at one point, which was uh, the comparison they made between Matt and Pat and Fane and the dagger between them as Smeagol and Gollum in the ring. So Pat and Fane is a, a different portion of Matt's personality? Well, I mean, they, they've, they've got the similarities in you know, the sort of operating outside the law, you know, sort of the, the, the rogues. When, if I remember, they were the ones that were established as friends. Right. But in, you know, they're, they're friendly because there's honor among thieves, you know, they, they well, know, they, they both know they operate in gray areas. Yeah. But I don't know that necessarily. So for instance, I, I, I believe that, and Ruark, this is not spoiler territory, so you could tell us if, it, if it's true. I believe that that speech was probably meant to be said to Matt, if we had had Matt in this final scene. Um, that speech is not anything taken from the books. Okay. So uh, I, I would presume most likely okay. that you're correct I, yeah, there. This, but yeah. The way the script was set up, probably, yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that was meant it was said to Perrin because, well, we need somebody and those people are doing that stuff. Yeah. So uh, this makes sense to switch the speech to Perrin. But I have a feeling that I think in that speech, 
that Matt would have been as surprised that he was doing this. And if he was fully aware of how much he was roguish, he might not have been as surprised. So it may not be clear. Like, they both kind of recognized game, but didn't necessarily know where, like, how into things were. Like, we're both uh, we're both kind of shady characters, but not necessarily know where it was, where the level was. Yeah. Shady, but fun. Yeah, like... We've, we've broken into places, stolen booze, and drank together. You know, nobody got hurt, really. Right. Yeah, I guess this is something that really is going to shake out a lot more. I'm assuming it's going to develop a lot more in the next season when we have new Matt and Pad and Fane, and we can see what their relationship looks like. Because there's a lot of speculation right now. Because it could just have been, you know, in the in the... That their relationship was... Um, a fence and a thief. You know, it's mm -hmm. professional, and Fanfane just sees Matt as a patsy. You know, like he—he's just somebody who he can rip, take advantage of. Yeah, he's just another Mark. Do we see right. anything that, that solidly indicates that Fane has any affection for uh, for Matt? Have we seen anything? See, I that first interaction mm -hmm. in there had me feeling like they were buddies. Fair enough. Look, so when look, they first interacted and talked at the cart, it didn't seem like, oh, I've bought things from you. It seemed like, oh, yeah, we've talked, we've drank. I would say that good horse traders don't have sour looks on their faces. So, you know, just because they're being friendly doesn't mean they're actually being friendly. Yeah. I get that, but Matt doesn't seem like the type that would just go have small talk with the local salesperson. Without an agenda. But you have to be the nice person. Nice to the person who is like buying stuff from you. That is right. You you want to make sure table, that that's you, still a yeah. You want to make sure it's still an option for the future. You don't you don't piss yeah. off your fence. <laughs> yeah yeah. No, I agreed. But there's also and in, in in a lot of stories we've seen where like the local thief and the local fence. Um, still had kind of a camaraderie, and when somebody bigger comes around, you see the strain on that friendship. Yeah, so, I mean, my, my take is, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, it's just that I don't know that we have, I think it's still an open question. Yeah, fair enough. You know, and it could go either way, and both... I mean, certainly if there is evidence of a relationship between Matt and, and, Fa and Padden and that gets developed, you know, and that could speak to some of why Matt was having so much trouble getting, like, with the knife. He was more open to it because, like, Patton Fane had kind of, like, been put gently directing him down this darker path. Mm -hmm. You know, which could lead to Matt having to make a decision and, you know, or or going down, the, basically, Pat and Fane can continue, come on down this way, we've got cookies. <laughs> um. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, since we're already kind of right there with, with talking about Pat and Fane and Matt, let's just go ahead and, and delve into Matt while we're here. Um, wh what do we think about Matt? Well, he's he's the rogue who also needs to. Uh, he he feels like he needs to be a thief just to take care of his family. So you got a little uh, Jean Valjean in there. You got a little uh, Aladdin. You know, 
<laughs> Though I will say we all saw when we were first like watching the episodes, those of us who haven't read the books all saw the potential if anyone was going to betray the group, it was going to be um, Matt. Yeah, he's he's opportunistic. Well, and and like that led me to I had a feel of um, if if you're familiar with Chronicles of Narnia, the Edmund character, mm-hmm. the person who's part of the main group. But hey, if they were given the push and there was an opportunity to take the out, they're the ones that are going to take it. Yeah, like Joey Pants's character in uh, the Matrix. Yeah, and we felt left less of that as the story progressed, and we learned more about Matt. But that that initial impression still was there. Yeah, he is the sellout chump of the of the group for yeah. his own skin. Not He's willing to sell, to sell out for his own skin. I think less likely for his own skin than because he gets convinced that it would be for the good of the people that he cares about. That's yeah. true. Like That's true. the core of his being sketchy back home is to take care of his siblings. Yeah, but right? when it comes to when it comes to when he 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 takes you know he takes his leave of the group at the waist at the waist waypoint. Um, yeah, it's to protect them because he knows that he may not be as uh, trustworthy as he'd like to be. Yeah, but it, it's all for it's all for someone else. You know. He, yeah. He's, Doing what he does at home because of his sisters. Yeah, and again, that tr- like there, there is a, a you know, I mean that that's again a fairly common mythological trope: the idea that the route to the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Evil gets you by suggesting, take this, you know, you want to do the right thing. Here's an easy way to get it, or an easy, mm-hmm. you know, relatively easy way to get it. Do the thing, yep. sacrifice to me a little bit. It'll be fine. You can handle it. Mm-hmm. Just a little human sacrifice, you know, as a treat. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you Anakin know, they Skywalker. were going to die anyways. You're just, you know, moving it forward a bit. Yeah. Right. So you're Anakin Skywalker, you know, being promised the secret of eternal life. So, you know. Right. So you can save the person you love the most. Yep. Yeah. Like. Not for himself, but for others. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like that, I think that is where Matt, like Matt could go in, like, he could go in any direction at this point. He's probably the most open to becoming a a bad guy, but there's, you know, there's no, there's not a guarantee that he will. And there's massive room for redemption at the end of it, too. Right. Yeah. He's not in love with evil. He's, mm-hmm. he's he's looking for opportunity. Yeah. Well, and, and looking at the um, story archetypes that are out there, one of the things that I feel from this, and part of why I felt uh, he was the one who might betray the group, is the fact that when you paired people off, Perrin and Egwene went off, and Matt and, uh, and, Re- and Rand got paired off. And I think that was kind of like, not that they're not friends with the other two, but it was to kind of show the bond between Matt and Rand. Even when they fight, mm-hmm. there's still a strong friendship there. And that is very often used by writers eventually in the story to break the audience of, yeah, you thought they were friends, but screw your heart. We're going to turn him into an evil guy. Or, yeah. mm-hmm. like, or no, you don't understand, especially since we have the dragon who may break the world, may not. Convincing Matt that Rand is possibly going to break the world could absolutely... Put Matt against him. True. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, I'm also reminded of Boromir. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Give me the dagger. I can save the world. Right. Boromir is the one who has stakes in, again, going back to my I hate uh, Tolkien. Um, (laughs) Boromir is. You should bring him up a lot, though. It's a really, it is a good story that has a, that, that is, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> I hate, I hate his politics and the, yeah, there are elements, but it doesn't prevent, that doesn't mean that he did not write some very good stories that are well worth talking about, because he's a really, he was a really smart man. Um, but yeah, like Boromir is somebody who has spent his whole life fighting evil. Right, he's been on the yeah. front line. He's the one who's actually knows what's coming. Right, all the rest of the fellowship is kind of a distant thing, or it's an occasional thing. You know, he's he's the front line soldier, so he's the one that is that's easiest to be tempted by evil. In the same way that Matt is the one who's had the hardest life, who's had to put up with the most bullshit, so he's going to be the most easiest to be tempted. Right. When and I was thinking when once you mentioned Boromir. The messed up family life is definitely yeah, a parallel. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. W- was that the character played by Carl Urban in the films? Boromir is Sean Bean. Okay, Sean Bean. Okay. Yep. He dies. Yeah, he's the hero brother. that dies. Of course, yeah. he's Sean Bean. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Carl Urban, it kind of sounds like his character in The Boys. And a little with Scourge in... Uh, Thor Ragnarok as mm-hmm. well. So which again speaks to like this being a very it's it is a very popular like it's a very popular trope. It's a good character to include, right? It's inter- mm-hmm. it's an interesting one. Anyway, have we got more to say How's about that lip doing Rark? <laughs> I I'm going to be absolutely honest with you right now. As soon as Axel started talking, I thought, oh, I've got a few minutes. And I got up and, 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 uh, got a fire break. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I literally just sat down and put my headphones back on when you said, how's your lip doing, Rourke? So, oh, that's uh, you are love listening to this in post. <laughs> I, 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 I am certain I will. <laughs> that's even more awesome. Uh, <laughs> I will take that as a compliment, <laughs> incidentally. <laughs> it, it is a compliment in saying both, uh, you, you know how to talk and fill space and make it entertaining so that I don't have to worry about cutting you off. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does anybody else have anything on Matt? <laughs> has, has Axel taken over hosting duties for me? Okay, I like this. Uh, <laughs> well, you abandoned us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you didn't know. You didn't know. We we had I, we had actually reached the point in the conversation where I was expecting you to say that, and you didn't. So I said it, and then uh, that led to you being asked what you thought about this, which led to the oh, you stepped away. So uh, apparently, okay. yes, I picked up your hosting duties when yeah. you weren't there, without even knowing you weren't there. So. <laughs> well, well, good instincts. I like right. it. subliminal hosting. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is out of curiosity? Since this has been a factor in some of the other people, what is Matt's full name? Matt Matrim. 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 M A T R I M. Matrim. Cawthon. C A U T H O N. Cawthon. I got nothing. Hmm. Well, it's the trim of a boat, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got nothing. No, that's Culkin. <laughs> that's Tolkien. 
<laughs> Macaulay? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, no, I'm, I'm very happy uh, at, over what you all found to talk about with those two because they were literally the two that I have absolutely no notes on. Oh, all um, right. glad we could fill in. Yeah. Um, I did. I, I just, for some reason, forgot to even think about Pod and Fane and, and uh, Matt. I, I could give you a lot of notes about Matt, but none of it is relevant until later on. So I I was really interested to hear what you guys had to say about Matt. Well, not that interested. Point. You walked away. But I'm still going <laughs> to hear it in post. <laughs> I, think, I, we, I think we did a pretty thorough dissection, and you're going to go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I look forward to it. Who's next, Axel? Ah. <laughs> right, actually, yeah, go ahead, make make a choice. Yeah. So, Ruach, who do you want? Who do you think we should talk about? <laughs> um, you know what? Let's go ahead and 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 go with Rand. All right. He, he was me when I when I was young. So mm -hmm. let let's start there. Um, what do we see in Rand? So the King Arthur parallel is right out front and center. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who is raised by someone he thought was his father, but in reality, he is, uh, you know, the chosen one. He's going to go out with sword was destined for greatness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, Little Christ in there, too. And uh, Luke Skywalker. A, a, skosh, a skosh of Christ. Uh, what, what, what do you see as a skosh of Christ? What, what, show me well, those. Well, raised by, a chosen one raised by someone who's not actually his father. Uh, supposed to change the world. Uh, there's a sacrifice in there that may be coming up that we don't uh, mm -hmm. don't know about yet. It doesn't find out till later in life that they're the savior, right? Yeah. Uh, one could say that there's a, a bit of a miracle behind the circumstances of his birth. Yeah, true, mm -hmm. true. Yeah, there's a little bit of the kind of flight from Egypt, like murder of the babies. In that he nearly gets murdered right as he's being born. Oh, yeah. And we don't know that he wasn't an immaculate birth. We don't know. Um, he's. Uh, I was also going to say, like, there's also. I mean, he, he's very much like on the hero's journey. Like, oh, very much. Like so, the, yeah. the, which is standard because it seems like that's like pretty much a requirement now for any kind of fic. You know, for any kind of fiction like this, that the the lead character has to follow. Uh, Campbell's path because Luke's because George Lucas did so well with it. Yeah. Um, and, well, and and there's a lot of mythology. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be on the trope, and now it's more of a uh default setting. Yeah, well, what I'm getting at is more that a criticism of Campbell because it he ver he tried to create a monomyth by lumping together a whole lot of things and ignoring other things, and like it's bad anthropology. Um, <laughs> but it's incredibly popular with, uh, TV and movie makers. So now it's almost impossible not to see that pattern in every story. Right. Yeah. Well, we see, we do see the similar things to Rand and that, that hero's journey kind of thing in mythology with, um, Perseus, Perseus and, yeah. uh, Heracles, where you have the person who is like, ends up having some godlike lineage that they didn't know about. Yeah, my point is that it is that it's one of many myths. It's one of yes, one oh, of many absolutely. stories, but it's presented as the only one. 
Right? Uh, yes, and, and I agree. Other one, I was I was bringing him up as yeah. we were bringing up examples oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, for the other yes. people. I'm not, Sorry. I'm not countering your point. Or, gotcha. Or yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying these are some yes. of the examples that are similar to Rick. Yes. Yep. My, my apologies. Yeah, you're abs. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> no worries. No yeah. Worries. And I, like, I mean, absolutely, there are going to be lots because he is he is the Campbell hero for this yeah. for this season at least right um you get there i think there is a very solid um you know do some very solid uh luke skywalker connections with again with the brought up by not his parents in the back end of nowhere um you know little bit of training around like getting to be you know in how to use magic and use a sword um one might say the it's also the story of superman mm-hmm Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very much yep. a Jesus parallel as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. But not Batman. Definitely not no. Batman. No, not Batman. <laughs> Even though he was an orphan. Yes. Right. Um, uh, so I want to uh, sprinkle a breadcrumb here. Uh, what was Rand at the start of the of the series? He was a shepherd. Yep. Ho ho. Hope you yeah. <laughs> Ooh, the metaphor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not a carpenter. No. no. Or a fisher. Right. Although I guess that would be more the, the followers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be, yeah, if, if everybody else in the group were all fisher and you had the one <laughs> shepherd. Yeah, and there, there aren't any... There's no fish... There's no, uh, Swan. Swan is yeah, a fisher. Swan. Yeah, that's, that's too <laughs> distant. Yeah. I, I, I have to wonder that based on how we're dissecting it, mm-hmm. not necessarily how the world was created, it's kind of like the Star Wars, this planet has one ecosystem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. This village has one career. <laughs> yeah. Everybody from this village is fish, and they just trade all the fish with the people who at this village does sheep. Right. What <laughs> the monoculture, jeez. So, and, and very much, yeah, the, he is the prophesized one who is going to save the world, and he has an encounter with the enemy out in the wilderness all uh, he, mm-hmm. he leaves his his team goes off on his mm-hmm. own i mean okay he's got moraine right. guiding him there but you know that like that strikes me as similar to to the desert and the 40 days and 40 nights business right so that makes moraine the burning bush is that how i'm reading this oh <sighs> nah not quite no, right. the, uh, his donkey the, d- the, okay yeah, his, donkey. <laughs> his royal donkey <laughs> who does it who gets dropped out of the uh, uh, probably actually you know, like his his wife, who gets dropped out of the Gospels because they were written by um, misogynistic Greeks, uh, right? Yeah. Who believed women were terrible and should be, and and yeah. So I'm just hearing that Maureen should be played by Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> well, if she's a donkey, he's the donkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I follow. Okay. I follow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, I want a nice parfait. I don't know why. In the morning, I'm making waffles. So let's just explore for a minute um, what what myths about or what what myths and stories surrounding Jesus do we know? I mean, this is one of the most well-known stories ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we can probably come up with with quite a bit that we can look for and look forward to in the series since we've so already got... figured out the the Jesus parallel. So he's going to be yeah, captured got... and executed by um, the Inquisition. 
So the white the white cloaks are going to capture yep. Rand at some yep. point, and they're going to torture him terribly. But he won't die; they'll leave him for dead. He'll resurrect, right? Yeah, gotcha. Um, and then the white cloak will meet him a little bit later and be converted to Randism. It's funny. I think Rurik was trying to get us to use the existing stories, and we've taken. It to, <laughs> no, we're not going to predict where the rest of the story is no, going to go. No, I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm okay with this. this is... I'm just saying it's interesting that we did that. <laughs> hmm. So you've got the Sermon on the Mount. So there could be uh, a uh, a bit of event, you know, evangelism, or you know, having the apostles uh, and disciples actually following him and what he's uh what he's calling for so similar to uh what Loghain had where he was sort of evangelizing and he had his disciples uh including the king uh of uh uh failden failden galden yeah there's uh there's that um you get the loaves and fishes story uh the water to wine You've got a lot. The, the to water work to wine, with. while it's not an exact parallel, I do see a little bit of of kind of the like the early miracles that were kind of not necessarily life changing or li- literally saving anything. Yeah, but like healing oh, the sick. He, he really needed the... that happening. Yeah, and then you have like, oh, he busted that door open. He didn't even know he was doing something, but that was the ultimate wood that shouldn't be able to be taken down by somebody his size. And bam! Oh wait, you just blew that off the hinges. Right. So, I mean, you, you've got the healing the sick, uh, curing the blind, uh, raising the dead, with Lazarus. Uh, he hasn't walked on any water yet. No. Or helped somebody else walk on water, which would be an interesting parallel again going down the road that Axel was <laughs> where using the stories to predict where the story is going to go. Is there somebody he's going to encourage to use the, the uh, gift, uh, the connection to the source oh, in that kind ooh. of same sense? Could he have been betrayed by, say, Matt, with your Judas Iscariot uh, parallel there? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, he seems the most likely to. uh, But then again, you know, who who else from his cohort could could possibly betray him at some point? Matt would be the obvious choice for the betrayal. Right. right? Perrin's just going to deny knowing him three times. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nynaeve's going to be, I don't know about this guy. So yeah. so how do we physically identify Jesus? Well, de- depends on your cultural reference. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're American, blonde haired, blue eyes. Uh, Shaggy beard. Yeah. Uh, but not necessarily in other cultures. But how do we know that, that the person is Jesus beyond just... Somebody tells us that that blonde guy over there is Jesus. What what tells us that it's Jesus? He does miracles. He does magic. And okay. there's there's something about the the eyes, I believe, like uh, you know, sort of the soul piercing eyes that you look into and instantly you know. I believe there was something. We've got all of these Catholics or or ex Catholics, I should say, here, and and <laughs> nobody remembers how how they identified Jesus. The great big halo above his head. Um, the holes in his hands and feet from being crucified, but he hasn't been crucified yet. 
I think that's the thing is I'm going down the list of things that I would use and not finding one that also covers Rand. That's that's where I, I'm, I, I, yes, I'm not, I'm not saying for that anything that okay. covers Rand as we know him now for things to possibly look for in the future. Uh, stigmata. So wounds. Yeah, stigmata. <laughs> um, and that could be either the crown of thorns or the spear in the side or the nails in the hands right. and feet um, or legs and arms, forearms, if you depending on physics um but uh that would definitely be a way that's that's how he's identified later by the apostles when he reappears to them and they question whether or not it's actually him right um a calming nature like that's one of the things that seems to be consistent is you know, Jesus never really. <laughs> one of the ways he contrasts from Rand, he never walks into the situation. And goes, well, oh, this is screwed, and, like, or anything. Well, <laughs> well we except for it, the time the in the temple. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there's there is the temple, but that was a little bit more, like, to a certain extent. I feel the way the story is told in the story, it made sense. He wasn't necessarily being a dick to somebody who didn't deserve it. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that I think is a contrast between him and Rand is Rand every once in a while does flip to the immature side and do the kind of dickish thing, yeah. Um, which it, he shares with Matt, and they they go back and forth on who's being the dick today. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, like Rand is like what twenty, a little bit ish, mm -hmm. whereas Jesus in like the 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 the, the major bit is like about thirty ish. Right, so that bit mm -hmm. older. Yeah. So we don't know what he was like when he was in his early twenties, right? Like if he was, you know, a real hellraiser in Jerusalem, throwing over uh, <laughs> tables all the time, and that was actually just, you know, just one got told about, but actually he had a whole pattern of offenses. <laughs> True, I, I do agree. There are the lost years of Jesus, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there is the story from early on, and this is another thing that would would be a contrast with Rand where he basically identifies and knows who he is as a very young child when he's you know, discussing scripture with the the uh the high yeah uh, with the elder the Pharisees in the, in the church yeah exactly yeah. and he's just discussing it like a kid shouldn't know and it's oh well you should have known I'd be in my father's house like there's that identity yeah. mm -hmm. that that is and we don't have that with Rand there's no point where he's like well of course I'm the dragon Although there's a slight difference that nobody will really like, you wouldn't want to be the dragon. But yeah, true. Yeah, but also I mean, like it's a fundamental difference that Jesus is God. Ran the dragon yeah. is Rand is a, the reincarnation of a soul that was really good at magic. True. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like not the way you want to put that on a resume. <laughs> Messiah two point absolutely yeah. accurate. Um, so continuing down the rand hole, um, let, let's rand pole at the hot pipe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just look at Rand's name. Rand, rand Al Thor. Thor. Well, Thor being, you know, the, the Norse, the Norse son of God, oh, son of Odin. That, that leads me into one thing that, um, I, it may be going that direction. We still don't know who his father is. That's true. That's and true. who is Odin in this case, or God in this case, or whatever in this case? Who who is Daddy? Who is Jorel? Yes, <laughs> yes. Who is who is the Jorel in this? Instance? They haven't appeared and started talking to him yet, unless oh, 
Oh, the, the dark one that he fought. Is that the father? <laughs> oh, oh, you're wondering if we're going to go down a, uh, a Empire Strikes the Back. Star Wars. Like, no, yeah. I am yeah. your father. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he did have kind of a Darth Vader thing going for him there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. And he's about to wander through the desert. Oh, yeah. Um, so what other Thor connections do, do we see? Well, I mean, we've got Thor and Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Loki. Matt. 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 Yeah. We've already, we, okay. we, we yeah. described Matt as the Loki character, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. the trickster. And now we have Thor and Loki. And I'm sure there's a, an Al connection. Maybe it's it's weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think in I think like in uh in you know in Middle Eastern uh cultures the name Al would be like a son of. Uh, it it is Arabic for son of. Okay. It, yeah, it, it's son. So son bin, bin is daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, but we see that Al show up a lot of places. Uh, you've got Nynaeve Almira. You've got Egwene Alvir. Um, you've got Al Lan Mandragoran. Um, what is Tam's last name? Is it also Althor? So it's a family. It's kind of like McCann, where you know, son of, mm-hmm. and it just carries down. It's not that that person is the direct. It, it, we we are okay. all descendants of Can at some point. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and, and what is Thor's power? Lightning. And this was changed for the show, but we saw how it happened in, in, in the movie in, or yeah. in, in the fan movie. Yeah. Um, yep. where the first time he touches the source, it's, it's to use lightning. And that's more accurate to the book, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thor is also, uh, a god of fertility. Um, and... Uh, husband of Sif, who is the goddess, uh, she's an earth goddess, um, so could that connect with... To Egwene? To Egwene? Or... Um, it's an interesting okay. concept to make the, the team a, a Nordic... Um, I'm, I'm going to say right now, uh, we've already compared Rand to Shiva, Jesus, and mm-hmm. Thor, and that's not going to be the end of the comparisons. Oh, absolutely. So, so, <laughs> so it's not necessarily everybody's taken from the same source. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of like, there is a rabbit hole. Let's go de- see how far we can go down oh, yeah, this before yeah, it yeah, breaks. Yeah. Right? But I think, I, and I think before the other the part pipe. of that rabbit hole that's interesting with the Nordic aspect is the fact that the the other, I can't say for Shiva... But I know with Jesus, we don't have a Loki direct connection. I mean, to a certain extent, Judas, but Judas wasn't necessarily being a trickster. No, he was a, he was a straight up betrayer, which would make yeah. him more equivalent to to Padden Fane in yes. of, of, of the characters that we've seen. Um, yeah, in terms of motivation, that's yeah. for sure. Although I mean, although that's not really right either, because Judas is really the Judas is essential, right? Judas does the yes. thing that has to happen, right. right? Well, and to a certain extent, he is convinced to do it because in as we were talking about Matt, he believes he's doing the right thing in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He thinks that while he is betraying Jesus, he is doing the thing that's actually going to save more lives. And, and in the long term, if you look at it from the outside view, he is doing the rightest thing because God, like, yeah. God is incarnated so that he can die to save mankind. So his death is 
the point of his birth. Yep. And so uh, Judas is the guy who allows, who, who is the catalyst facilitates to cause that, who facilitates that death. Right. So, you know, he, so he's the hero, you know, yeah. and then well, he and gets fucked over stories. for it. Right. Well, a lot, I was going to say a lot of the story uh, variations that exist on Judas um, for the aftermath is the idea that he was never on the line to be punished for that choice. Mm -hmm. He was on the line to be punished for the fact that he never asked for forgiveness and then he killed himself. Mm -hmm. Instead of recognizing that it had to be done, he was the unfortunate person who had to do it and then saying, look, I'm sorry, or coming to terms with that. He's often used as the example of you should try asking for forgiveness because you had the right motives and nobody would have been mad at you because you had the right motives and this needed to happen. Yeah, that strikes me as really shitty theology, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily yeah. saying no to that, yeah. but that is, it, it is often how it's played yeah. out. Is, yeah. Had he just said, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry for betraying you. Yeah, I, 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 I did a bad thing. Um, should I give this money to some orphans or something? Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Anyway, I'm sure I remember <laughs> that he was forgiven in God's spell. <laughs> uh, so, any other thoughts about uh, Rand in general? There's a lot there. There's yeah. a lot there. We just haven't gotten to the parallels. Oh yet. yeah, there's there's a lot in that, and there's, this has also been bringing up so many other characters that we want to like keep delving into, and you know, yeah, it's gonna be a five hour episode. <laughs> Hey everybody, Ruark here. Uh, just want to let you know about our sister podcast, uh, Watch Party Lord of the Rings. We all know about the Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power series that's coming new soon on Prime. Uh, well, they're going to be covering that top to bottom. So if you want to uh, stay up to date on what's going on with Lord of the Rings on Prime, uh, go check out our sister podcast, Watch Party Lord of the Rings. And also be on the lookout... For a new podcast coming soon, Watch Party House of the Dragon, covering the uh, new Game of Thrones prequel that's going to be coming out. So keep an eye out for that in the future. Of course, we'll let you know about it when that drops. And uh, yeah, stick with us at Watch Party. We've got a lot of cool things coming. Um, so I guess we can move on to Greg then. Greg, uh, why don't you pick a character for us to delve into? How about Perrin? Perrin. Okay, I, I was actually hoping you were going to bring up Perrin next, uh, right after talking about Rand, because for reasons that will become clear momentarily. Um, tell me what you what you see in Perrin so far. Well, the 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 thing with the wolves, um, you know, I, there's some kind of parallel there with Romulus and Remus. Uh, okay. uh, I would uh, at some point, you know, just the the wolf of the mythology. Um, yeah, I don't know where else to go with that. Uh, so y'all come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do have uh, Romulus and Remus listed right here in my notes. So you're you're right on a, you're you're on one of the right tracks. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's that's the main wolf thing I could think of uh, in terms of mythology. Um, so what do we know about Romulus and Remus? They were raised by wolves and uh, were the founders of Rome, supposedly. If I remember the the story correctly, uh, Romulus killed Remulus. Or no, the other way around. Remulus killed Romulus and then named the city Rome um, 
as an act of immediately contrition. Re- imme- immediately regretted it and named the city after him. I, I believe it was the other way, way around because I just read this, but... Uh... One killed the other one and they were twins, so really, yeah, who, yeah. Knows, yeah. who knows which ones yeah. it really was? We just know it what could na- be Remus and he was just using Romulus as a name for after well, that. What you have to do is you only have one question to ask them and you have to figure out which one always lies and which one mm-hmm. always tells the truth. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's, that's a parallel with him killing his wife, with Perrin killing his wife by accident. Yeah. Yeah, which also has parallels to like Cain and Abel and... And my guess is that Romulus wanted to name Rome after himself, but figured that would be an act of hubris. So he prete- so he pretends to be Remus, kills Remus, says he's Remus, and then he gets to name the city he, he, after himself. And everyone assumes that that's because you know it, because he he's a guilty brother, not oh my God, a, a that massive is an narcissist. Ancient conspiracy theory. He's a massive <laughs> narcissist. <laughs> and get, look at the history of Rome afterwards. Mythological conspiracy. Mythological conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. So, so you're expect, so you're expecting Perrin to turn into a giant narcissist. No, because he doesn't have a twin brother. <laughs> That's kind oh, of okay, the problem okay. with. Or gotcha. does he? Well, and it is. It has been mentioned that you know, not having a wife, but that that basically told something of his story that we would have that would have taken longer to tell, and by giving him a wife and having him kill the wife, told it quicker. So there, like, there probably was some death or something up along those lines within the written story. Yeah, I mean, he, since he wasn't married in the uh, in the books, what was the parallel that that happened there? I don't. I think Ruark. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Ruark has been hesitating in case it does spoil something else. Uh, no, I've yeah. I've said in in one of our episodes somewhere that uh, in the books the death that kind of causes his his wondering, you know, am I good, am I bad, what have, what have I done, kind of thing, was he accidentally kills a white cloak, which, you know, uh. I, I remember very specifically bringing that up because Samaria responded with, oh, score. Um, <laughs> yeah, certainly in the way that they're presented in the TV, you know, in the TV series, nobody, none of, none of the audience would see that as a moral dilemma. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So yeah, they they went with a, a, a much shorter from A to B course with, with yeah. him killing his gotcha. wife. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna put the caveat on that, having just learned that because of course we live in this world, there are right you know, right wingers watch the boys and are confused to learn that um Oh, Homelander that Homelander is the bad villain. guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that his girlfriend in season two is... Spoiler? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Season two, spoiler alert. His girlfriend in season two was a literal Nazi. Well, her name right. was Stormfront. I think we, we all figured that out yeah, from that was, the, 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 the yeah, second she was produced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, but, there's no subtlety in it. It's been interesting watching a lot of media right now go out where... Like both sides of 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 a lot of the uh, dilemmas that are going on right now see themselves in the hero. Yep. Yeah. And it it takes somebody like no no like, you know when people watching Star Trek right now and being upset that there's a lot of like equality and representation and like you're ruining my Star Trek. It's like Have that's you ever always been Star there. Yeah. Like, but they've never noticed it because it wasn't convenient. Yeah. 
Um, so back to Perrin. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I, let, let's continue down the, the Romulus and Remus path and the, the Raised by Wolves path. What other characters do we know of that were, were raised by wild things? Uh, Mowgli. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mowgli, yeah. I, I don't necessarily see a parallel in no, it, but it is. I was going to say. Uh, Tarzan, yeah. <laughs> Tarzan. Oh, yeah. Tarzan, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But I mean, like Perrin wasn't right. Like he's he 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 was the he black he was the blacksmith in town. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just now turning into a werewolf. We think possibly. Um, like there. Yeah, there's also that that werewolf uh, possible parallel too. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wolfman. Yeah, uh, Wolf Cop. What, what, what do we know about Wolfman? What what. Uh... So do we have there? Wolf Cop. Uh, it's a great Canadian movie about uh, <laughs> oh. Lou Garou. Lou Garou, who, as it ah, happens, is a cop in a small town really Saskatchewan. And no, guess okay. what his secret is? Lou yep. Garou. All right. Okay. Um, I, and like I, believe, anyway, I believe there may even be a sequel on the way. Yeah. And that tends to be like the stories is about control of animal instincts. Um, yeah, the man versus the monster kind of a thing. Um, so that's, and the fact that he is dealing with loss and questioning his place in the world, it would be easy for him to run off into the wilderness, disappear for a couple of seasons and then come back as something else. A transformation. Yeah. Well, all of that gives me a lot more of the different, uh, monster movie vibes like Frankenstein mm -hmm. trying, like when you start looking at the actual novel. Yep trying to find his place in the world or, frankenstein's monster yes. or as axel was saying the man versus the monster and and getting into jekyll and hyde mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. jekyll and hyde is another yeah another good example and yeah and, and to me it's like i feel like that would be a very lo be a very obvious um path for perrin's arc because right now we're seeing him struggle with that um because he killed his wife even though it was completely by accident in the middle of, you know, a fight and shit like that happens. Um, that conflict with the inner, mm -hmm. and you know, the inner demons. Inner yeah. Demon. And possibly because it's a magical world and he has been in a magical place around, you know, right place, right time. That conflict is going to take a material form. And also we know he has some weird ass magic shit going on from his encounter with the white cloaks, right? Mm -hmm. where he terrified uh, a little a little hulk uh in there too yeah you know, yeah he had to get really angry for it to for it to show well it was one of the things that just just was crossing my mind is uh when comparing it to like a jekyll and hyde storyline um it would have been interesting if instead of us seeing that it was just in a fight if like he kind of got in the fight it wasn't even looking around and then we don't see when he hits we just kind of like almost come out of a blackout moment mm -hmm. and his blade is in mm -hmm. that fugue state of the warrior yeah, yeah exactly and that would that would have been a different story than i think they're trying to tell yeah. but it would have been interesting um not that this one isn't yeah. uh but that that seems a little more jekyll and hyde where the with a, with more of a blackout concept mm -hmm. like a like a berserker almost yes yeah. exactly that's it but yeah, it really seems that you know, with Perrin, we're seeing a lot more literary parallels than necessarily mythological. Okay. 
Um, well, to, to follow up on that, why don't we um, explore Perrin's name? Uh, Perrin. Okay. Does that mean anything to anyone? It's the same Latin root as, you know, dog, I believe. Like, or like you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. word for, uh, I know in Spanish it's perro, uh, is the word for dog. Um, so. Okay. Uh, when, when you all talked about the, the backgrounds that you knew, none of you mentioned Slavic or Eastern European. So I'm just going to lay this one right out for you. Uh, there is a Slavic god named Perun, P-E-R-U-N. Oh. Um, that Slavic god is very parallel to the Norse god Thor. Okay. Um, the, the Slavic god Perun um, is, uh, he's known for being a god of thunder. Uh, he's associated with a hammer, an axe, a bull. Oh, hammer. Other blacksmith. And axes that you put into your wife. Yes. Yeah. 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 Is there a wolf aspect to, to that? Uh, there, there is not a wolf aspect to Perrin. Uh, no. But because um, DW made me think about berserkers, I just went and pulled berserkers up on Wikipedia, and there is um, literally a, a tradition of berserker soldiers known as wolf warriors. Interesting. I was wondering if you if you were going to come around to that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, bears and boars could mm. be taken as symbols for berserkers. What what culture is that 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 made the wolf connection? Um, wolf warriors appear among the legends of Indo-Europeans, Turks, Mongols, and some Native American cultures. The Germanic mm. wolf warriors have left their trace through shields and standards that were captured by the Romans and displayed in public. Uh, and and yeah, going back to the Thor thing, also uh, with wolves, there was that giant wolf that hella had a, again i'm going to going to thor movies because that's all fenrir. i know in north mythology yeah. fenrir, fenrir yeah. is uh thor is loki's son yep oh i did not know that okay interesting and he eats thor if i remember rightly yeah yeah i i, I don't remember everything around fenrir but yeah there there i believe there is a connection i just remember hulk well, fights in ragnarok <laughs> that's all yeah. i know <laughs> I definitely, uh, you know, in going through my my memories of of Greek and Roman mythology, like Cerebus is the only thing that comes up from that aspect, and I mm-hmm. don't know that necessarily we're going to see a a connection to a parent guarding the land of the dead. So I I don't know that we're pulling from that, but it, it's interesting to to you know recognize that there are other other mythologies that have things that don't similar become similar to you know the mythologies we know. Yeah, well, um, hmm. there might be similarities to other myths about the land of the dead. I'm not going to. Okay. But I just made that connection, honestly, okay. um, from what you said. So, like I said, my favorite part of these books, and I'm always finding new stuff that's connected. So, yeah, um, we will bring that up when that becomes relevant. I hope some other people may have followed me down that rabbit hole in my mind. I doubt it, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, well, wow. now, now I want to yeah. talk about it, like the theory running through my head, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, please tell, talk about the theory running through your head. Well, you don't, you don't know what's coming. So you may be completely off base or completely on base, but I'm not going to tell you either yeah, way. But we'll have to wait for the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Perrin in the books felt bad about killing the white cloak and we know in the story that we've got, 
in this in, in this series, the Amazon series, um, of him how he feels about having killed his wife. Um, is there any journey to the underworld to try and bring someone's soul back? Was it like did Perrin try to redeem himself by trying to bring back the uh, the the white cloak in the books, or and now it translates even more and likely he wants to bring his wife back from the dead? Getting back in Anakin territory. That's, that's there. where my brain went. That would be, from the impressions I've got, that would be a whole new chunk of magic, or at least it's magic that is not part of the general, this is this is a thing that people do. Yeah, but there's 15 yeah. books. At some point, they may introduce new magic. Oh, and also his buddy, his bestest buddy is the dragon. Jesus. The dragon. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, <laughs> and so an opportunity for a rebirth of magic and for new things to happen is, and it fits with the series and so that and and that kind of heroic uh and again there's a whole heroic theme around that and resurrect you know i mean resurrection going to the land of the dead and like orpheus well, lazarus and, mm -hmm. orpheus is the one i would be thinking um, of as kind of more yeah orpheus too orpheus too mm -hmm. um but no, yeah. it, it, part of it is like i remember thinking when watching it i may have even said it on the episode when we when we covered that up that first episode is that there's there's no coming back from that Unless you can resurrect, in which case, okay, there's one way to come back from having killed your wife. Like, okay, so they, that, that's that's a possible redemption from the pain that Perrin is going through on that. Interesting thoughts. I, I will point out that the Perrin's wife did not exist in the books. Right. So, so yeah, the so going too far down that rabbit hole might be a dead. Yeah, end. but, well, but if, if feeling guilty yeah. enough about the white cloak he killed might have sent him down a similar road, uh, and changing okay. it to a wife might be increasing the actual emotional connection to why doing it. Yeah, increasing the stakes because it's like, why would you, you know, if it was a white cloak, it's like, why would you be feel guilty about murdering one of these fucks? You know, I mean, I, I think uh, following on from from Ruark's point is that likely it seems really unlikely that there would have been a resurrection quest for a guy what i killed um in the way that there might be one for the love of my life what i killed so it seems really unlikely that that is going to happen right you know um and there are and my guess is that he that perrin's journey is going to be something more around the man versus beast bit like the werewolf thing because that seems they've, they've been building on it very slowly and gradually right oh at, yeah because at first it was all about you know the redemption of the guilt that he was feeling but they are moving more into you know the that that beast duality mm -hmm. kind of uh kind of thing too but in also, but in not in pulling from a the idea of a of a full quest to go like get that soul it does create something, and again, the wife being a better hook than than the the dead white cloak, um, that the dark one can dangle in front of Perrin as bait. Mm -hmm. Very that I can promises see. Yeah. similar to yeah, similar to the the emperor, you know, dangling in front of Anakin of I can help you protect uh, Padme. Like it, yeah. it can be something that can be used against him. So, and I don't know that the white cloak wasn't used similarly. So this the same kind of scenario is when Rand was being um, tempted by the exactly. dark one to, you know, create create a world where he gets to have the life he wants. Yeah. Um, DW, I'm gonna say you you 
always have this this thing about unintentionally putting your foot in things. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to say you are so right about so many things in this conversation, but completely from the wrong direction. <laughs> um, Backing into victory. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that being said, that that still leaves everything completely muddy as water. But I know that so many of the book readers are listening to this conversation and just chewing the insides of their their cheeks. Oh, they raw. can speak out. We can't hear um, you if you're listening to this yeah. podcast. We can't hear you. Yeah, we're not on the Twitter. Um, so yeah. I, 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 I've I've had to mute myself several times during this conversation um, just because. Yeah, fantastic. It would it would be nice to. I know I'm not on on the Twitter uh, account. Uh, you know, I, I'm not following it in case there are spoilers, but that would be funny if none of us are on it. Uh, you know, hey, put it out to them. It's like, okay, who's got the best right take wrong direction? <laughs> Just it would be interesting to yeah. see what the listeners think on that. Um, and and that being said, I I it, that's that's a great segue into uh, um, I think getting out of this episode hey, right now. But uh, that being said, I I am in the process of putting together a Discord server for this this podcast, and uh, I think that will be definitely something that we'll put in the Discord server, a place for people to discuss how you're right and wrong that you guys cannot see. It's such an interesting concept to me, though, that there's going to be a Discord server where several members of the podcast can't go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, uh, no, no, you guys can go to the discords. Yeah, yeah there will be channels, channels that you won't won't be able to go but to. But the yeah. people on the podcast will have channels that they shouldn't go to. Right. Like that, that's an interesting concept. I don't know of another podcast that that, that yeah. is existing. Like yeah. the fact that I also, like Greg mentioned, I don't follow the Twitter for that reason of somebody going, "Oh, DW was so right about that." And like, oh shoot, now I know mm-hmm. that. And I like not having the, the, the spoilers. I like just speculating and backing into things incorrectly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it's just an interesting concept that that, that that Discord will have areas that people on the podcast shouldn't mm-hmm. go. I think we're kept in I the dark. I do agree. I, I, it's really interesting to me to be in a position where I actively don't really know and I'm not finding out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Avoiding spoilers instead. Yeah. Of- it's like we could be so right and we'd feel so, uh, you know, <laughs> so empowered by that and so justified. Yes, we're right. We figured it out. But we won't know. I. Well, and the fact that there are answers out there, like mm-hmm. I, I go on tons of, of pages that talk about spoilers for the next, you know, Marvel movie and stuff like that. And what, well, we think it's going to be this and because it's all potential. Yep. It's not right. necessarily a leak from Marvel. Whereas with this, you go on the wrong page and they're going, yeah, well, the book did this. Ah, oh, yep. dang it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, there are absolute answers to like, and, you know, I am you my normal my default behavior is I don't know a thing I'm going to research the thing I'm going to look it up I'm going to yep. find the answer I want to know and so for this podcast I'm actively not doing it and it's really liberating I can just talk shit <laughs> and the audience are expecting me to be wrong right it's, it's how entertaining can my wrongness be is like a little <laughs> a selling point. Concept. You, you have just you have just 
picked up on exactly the the format of the podcast. How entertaining can your mm-hmm. wrong answers be? Uh, uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I can tell you that the right answers are even more entertaining, and you guys have no idea how often you are right. And, it, it's, it's And the great thing is that we really. are going to find out. Right? Yeah. At some yes. point. Eventually. E- yeah. Exactly. Either it will show up in the series, or things will move so far past what we were discussing that it is no longer spoilerish, and then we go, oh, so that thought we had, nope, that didn't go anywhere. You know? Right. The, <laughs> we will find out the answers eventually. Yeah. You know. yep. 10, 15 years ago, I would not have been able to do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. It, it, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Axel, as if you don't know something, I'm going to go find it. But this is, uh, I wouldn't have the maturity to do this like 10, 15 years yeah. ago. Um, and of course, this is, it, there, that is another advantage with doing this series as opposed to let's say Game of Thrones, where even the greatest fans of the series may never find out how it actually is supposed to end. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's about all we have time for today. Uh, we want to say thank you as always to Michael and Jen out at the Secret Island headquarters. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Hey, thank you, Michael, Michael and, Jen. and Jen. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send a mailbag that's to watwatchparty at gmail.com, W-O-T watchparty at gmail. If you want to send us any mailbag uh, uh, goodies, responses or tips or questions or what we could really, really use are some final questions yes. to use at the end of our episodes because, uh, you know, it, it, it starts to get difficult to think of one every week. Uh, and if you want to find us on on the social medias, you can find us at Watt Watch Party on Twitter and Instagram. You can also f- uh, check out our website, wattwatchparty.com. Uh, that gives you links to uh, everywhere that we can be found. And uh, yeah, so final question. Why is it so goddamn hard to think of a final Probably question? Probably because we have limited brain space. We have other things we need to do with our time. And... Uh, we're, we're 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 maybe pretty dumb. I don't know. What is your favorite color? Red. No, blue. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're trying, if we want to keep the questions wheel of time related, that does create a bit of a limitations. We could jump into uh, a rather excellent book of emergency questions I'm familiar with. Like for example, if you had to wear somebody's guts for garters. If you had to, who would you disembowel in order to facilitate your socks staying up? I have a list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, 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 the list is as long but as remember, my arm. You would um, then be stuck wearing their guts, holding your socks up for the rest of your life. And I'm fine with that on some of these. You, you say that oh, yeah. that's a bad Just thing. wanted to yeah. make sure you were yeah. all clear on that. <laughs> I decorate all my clothes, not just my socks, to serve as a warning to others. Yeah, really. <laughs> Heads on pikes, teeth on chains. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can get into that. Hello, my name is the Bubbies. <laughs> this is my answer to the questions. I do not understand the questions. <laughs> Thank you.